And so if you have your Bible, I want us to look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And just a few short verses there. 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. One more time. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. You have to wonder what Paul was thinking, right? You have to wonder if Paul fought through this instruction before he penned these concluding words to this letter to Thessalonians. You have to wonder if Paul ever felt the stress of running kids back and forth from soccer games to school and then back again. Did he ever feel the pressure of having to get the big project done at work? Do you think he ever knew the demands of having to fix dinner, get laundry done, and then try to find some time to catch up? on his favorite show? Do you think Paul had any clue when he wrote these words that we would ever face a situation like the one in which we find ourselves? I mean, if Paul can give this kind of instruction about prayer, then I think it's fair to say that that Paul obviously never had Netflix, right? Or he never would have said such guilt-inducing words. You can't help but wonder, when you hear these words, that you begin to, to feel a bit of that twinge of guilt, right? These words of Paul, they seem to be improbable, if not impossible. These words seem to be out of date. They seem to be these kinds of words that that kind of carry that feeling of just another to-do list that we need to mark off in order to get on to our regularly scheduled program. Pray without ceasing. Really, Paul? I mean, that's what often happens when we talk about prayer, right? So often our conversation around prayer seems to be framed in the language of guilt and obligation and inadequacy. One of the gifts of of what I get to do on a regular basis is to have conversations with people about some of the most important things in life, things of faith. And I've had my fair share of conversations about prayer, and there is something I have never heard anyone say ever. I have never had anyone come into my office, close the door, Look me in the eyes and say, Wilson, I need to tell you something. I am praying too much. I find myself praying all the time and I cannot stop. I pray in the morning, I pray at noon, I pray in the evening. It's really, 
it's just really out of control. I mean, is there anything you can do as a minister? Is there any advice that you could give to, to help me pray less? I have never <laughs> had that conversation. Typically, when it comes to conversations about prayer, I more often than not hear something along the lines of, Wilson, I should be praying more. If I just prayed a bit more, then things might work out. If I just pray a little more, then, then maybe this would go the way I want it. I just don't feel like I'm praying enough and I feel guilty for it. There always seems to be these feelings of guilt around prayer. A feeling like whatever prayer looks like for a person, that, that they're just not doing it enough. And I fully get this. I understand this feeling of guilt when it comes to prayer. I still remember the first time I bought a, a prayer journal as a way to become a more regular prayer. My goal was to sit down every day and write out a prayer. In fact, I had declared the morning time was going to be my prayer time. And I was going to have this journal as evidence to convince myself that I was actually sticking to this heavenly habit. And so morning by morning, I would get up, have breakfast, and write something in the journal. And whether I realized it or not, kind of had that internal feeling of satisfaction like I had racked up another heavenly credit. For a while, I was a morning prayer machine. And for a while, I mean for about two weeks. And then I just stopped. I, I left the journal out where I could see it, but honestly, the, the sight of it every day kind of made me more feel guilty and guilty and guilty for not writing in it anymore. Even when I would notice my last entry, when I would open it back up again, I would still see that that entry was months ago, and, and I felt guilty again. I just wondered I just wondered if God was maybe upset with me for not writing out more prayers and not praying on a regular basis. I was convinced that I was a praying failure. All of my ideas and my internal feelings and my language had on the edges that, that feeling of guilt. Prayer became kind of like this chore, this, this obligation. And eventually, it, it felt like this burden that I just never quite did enough of. And so, when I read a text from Paul, I really pay attention closely to the language that Paul uses when talking about prayer. Because he talks about prayer with language that is different than the language we often use when it comes to prayer. Paul frames his instruction to pray without ceasing in a way that probably shocks and surprises us. Now, I need to be clear. Paul wants Christians to pray. And it's not just here that Paul encourages Christians to pray. Paul frequently tells churches in Rome, Philippi, and Corinth a very similar instruction that he gives here. He does want Christians to make prayer a part of their life. 
And Paul is not just some hypocritical preacher here who doesn't practice what he preached. No, Paul prays a lot. Not only do we see Paul breaking out into prayer throughout this letter, but also he he pretty much breaks out into prayer in nearly all of his letters. He thanks God, pleads with God, petitions with God for the sake of these communities of faith. And so in a sense, Paul is not asking these Christians to do anything that he is not already doing. But for Paul, the crucial point, the the key framing language was not what he was doing. Rather, the crucial frame for Paul was what he was convinced God was doing. This passage in 1 Thessalonians often is one that we read and that we reference, but we miss the frame of this verse. Paul, just a few verses after these instructions to pray, he actually then begins praying for the community. And so in this instruction to prayer, it's followed up by actual praying of Paul. And if you read that prayer, there's this great insight into what Paul thinks of prayer and what he actually thinks of God. In verse 23, just a couple verses later, he says this, May God Himself sanctify you. Or as as I would say it, may God transform you. And then he goes on, May you be kept blameless until Jesus comes. And then right after that prayer, he then makes this statement, The one who calls you is faithful. He will do it. Paul is convinced that God is in the midst of this community, active, present, moving. Paul is convinced that God is faithfully preparing and transforming this community while they await the return of Jesus. A few years ago, our church went through this study called The Story. And if you were here during that time, you remember that the story basically summed up the entire Bible into this framework of one big story. It talked about how the Bible is this one big story describing God's activity with humanity. And one of the central concepts from this study that I think is a helpful one to keep in mind is the notion of an upper story and a lower story. There's the lower story, which is the story of our daily lives. Laundry, jobs, bills, etc. But then there's also this upper story. The story of God working to bring about redemption and the restoration of all things. And what's so helpful about that study and that particular framework is to always keep in mind both of these stories. The upper story of God is always intended to inform or frame our lower story of daily life. 
And Paul's instruction on prayer and then his actual prayer is a reminder of this connection. Because right after his instruction to pray is a reminder of the upper story. Paul's prayer reminds this church that God is faithful. God is at work. God is transforming them. God is doing something within their community. Their future is certain. And because God is faithful now and in the future, then that should impact how the church is faithful in the here and now. Because their future is certain, then that shapes how they live in the present. Because they know what God will do, they then can act a certain way in the here and now. That upper story, that bigger frame that Paul talks about prayer with is this. God is faithfully attending to this community. God is faithfully transforming this community. Paul does not talk about prayer with the frame of guilt, but the frame of God. God is faithfully attending to this community. God is faithfully transforming this community. And because of that different frame, we need a different kind of definition for prayer. Because we believe in a God who is faithfully attending to us, then we define prayer differently. And so here's my definition based upon what Paul says in our passage this morning. Prayer is attending to the God who is faithfully attending to us. Prayer is attending to the God who is faithfully attending to us. I like this definition, not just because I made it up, but also because I think it better captures what Paul is trying to say. I'm not a big fan of the translation, pray without ceasing, just to be honest, because I think that that only perpetuates those feelings of guilt and not enough. This kind of impossible mountain we can never climb, this this hoop to jump through over and over and over, this chore that is never quite marked off our list. And so what's helped me rethink this verse and rethink this particular phrase that Paul uses here in verse 17 is coming to the knowledge that this is not the first time that he uses that word here in this letter. In verse 17, there are two words in the original text. One is a general word for prayer. The other word is an adverb. The second word is what usually gets translated without ceasing. Yet, and here's what's important, Paul uses that exact same word, that exact same adverb in two other places in the letter, in chapter 1 and in chapter 2. In chapter 1, verse 3, and then in chapter 2, verse 13. And what's really interesting about Paul using that same adverb there is they get translated typically constantly or continually. 
He tells the church in these two other spots that he is praying for them constantly and continually. Constantly he prays. Continually he prays. In other words, Paul regularly, diligently, consistently prays for the church. Paul constantly turns his attention to God on behalf of this church. And and this instruction of Paul should continue to be instruction for us today. When we think about people and think about becoming the kinds of people who cultivate certain attitudes and postures in the world, that prayer should be at the center of that cultivation. That Paul is calling us to be the kinds of people who constantly turn our attention to the God who is faithfully attending to us. Keep giving attention to the one who is constantly giving you attention. Keep turning to the God who is constantly turned towards you. Prayer is attending to the God who is faithfully attending to us. A few years ago, I did something that some of you know about and some of you may not, but it is a project that I had wanted to do for a long, long time. And the project was I planted a garden in my backyard. I took four pieces of wood, I drilled them together, mixed compost and peat moss and all those other things to make the soil nutritious. I nailed down a weed cloth as kind of a layer of protection, headed to the local co-op here in town. I got squash and sweet potatoes, cherry tomatoes, okra, and a few other things just to pack the garden full. And what I did was it was this four-by-four garden, and I divided it into these 16 one-foot squares, and I started planting. If you were to ask my wife, then she will tell you that, that that square box of dirt and plants became for me a source of frustration pretty quickly because I was new. I had no idea what I was doing. I had memories of a garden growing up, but I had never actually planted a garden myself. But she will also tell you that over time, that square box became a kind of inspiration for me. It went from frustration to inspiration because that small square garden was teaching me a bit more than just things about gardening. But it taught me, summer after summer, one or two things about life as well. And one of the things that I always will remember it teaching me is teaching me about prayer. Now, in one sense, it taught me about prayer because often when I was pulling weeds and trimming plants, I would say things like, Dear Lord, help me not to lose my mind. But I also I also learned what it looks like to constantly and continually attend to something. I've been learning as I have reflected on that garden the last few weeks, especially as 
Others in my orbit have brought me things from their garden. I was reminded that it takes consistent attention to help the garden become all it's meant to be. I I learned and have been reflecting on how that practice of attending to something with love and care and attention is slow but good work. I've been learning what it looks like to give something loving attention with a real conviction that something is happening even when I may not see growth in the immediate moment. And prayer is like that. It's a constant returning to God continually, consistently in faith. Prayer is attending to the God who is faithfully attending to us. I think that's a better definition, and it's a definition that that I don't want to just speak with my lips, but I also want to live it out with my life. I want this definition of prayer to give shape to my life and to your life, that, that we would be the kind of class, the kind of church that would attend to the God who is faithfully attending to us. One of the most helpful instructions that I have learned about prayer over the last few years is this quote. Prayer is a practice and not a discussion topic. Prayer is a practice and not a discussion topic. The only way to become a more prayerful person is to begin practicing, to begin training in the ways of prayer. We can talk all day long about praying, but the only way we can become these kinds of people, the only way that those virtues actually get cultivated in us is is to begin practicing attending to the God who is faithfully attending to us. Yes, it is ultimately God who brings the growth, but prayer is one of those ways that we plant seed, that we water, and then God will bring the growth in God's time, on God's terms. But we can plant and water. And if there's one thing that I am still learning when it comes to the the practice of prayer is simply that it is not easy. And it's not been always easy for me in this strange season that we find ourselves in. It's not always easy to give attention to God regularly and consistently and diligently because there are headlines that grab our hearts and our minds. There are posts that we read that throw us off center There are things called intense discussions with spouses that sometimes can consume us. There are these things called dirty diapers and hard-headed kids. And so sometimes these stresses in life make turning our attention to God really, really difficult. And so it's not an easy practice at all times. Sometimes it's a, a difficult practice. 
But the thing that I, I love about this teaching of Paul, this good news of Paul, is that even in those stressful, angry, or doubtful moments, God is still present to us. God is still attending to us. And whether we turn our attention to God or not, God faithfully keeps His attention on us. And because God is there, then, then any moment in our day can become an opportunity for prayer. Prayer can happen anywhere because God can happen anywhere. Prayer can be practiced wherever God is present. Prayer can be spoken words, but it can also be silence. Prayer can be a bowed head, but it can also be opened eyes. Prayer can be a set time, but it can also be all the time. Prayer can be a morning devotional, or it can be when we're talking to a disobedient child. Prayer can happen anywhere God can happen. Prayer can be practiced wherever God is present. And that is anywhere and everywhere. I really like this quote of Barbara Brown Taylor who, who writes about her own experience of learning to pray constantly. She writes this, When I look up from feeding the outside dogs to see the full moon coming up through the bare trees like the wide iris of God's own eye, when I feel the beam of it enter my busy heart straight through the zipper of my fleece jacket and fill me full of light, I am in prayer. When I spend all afternoon chopping onions, stewing tomatoes, and setting the dining room table with every piece of silver I own for a supper of soup and bread with friends, I am in prayer. When I am so sick that I cannot do anything but lie in bed with a jar of Vicks Vapor Rub and a blister pack of cold pills lost somewhere in the sheets, with all the time in the world to remember whom I love and why, I am in prayer. Prayer can happen anywhere God can happen. Prayer can be practiced wherever God is present. And these are the kinds of people we're called to be. The church is called to attend to the God who faithfully attends to us. And so as we start this new school year, as we continue to find ourselves in the midst of a, a very strange and uncertain and challenging time, I want to encourage you to continue to practice prayer. Maybe to begin the practice of prayer. To allow it to become a means by which, a posture by which you open yourself to the God who can cultivate and grow in you things that we could never do on our own. And so maybe it's simply asking at the end of every day, what did God teach me today that becomes a way that we attend to God? Maybe it could be a morning walk 
where as you walk, you give your full attention to the creation and to the Creator. Maybe it's memorizing this verse in 1 Thessalonians 5. These short few verses, verses 16 through 18, and allowing it to become a verse that you return to through the day. Maybe it's simply remembering to breathe deeply on a regular basis. And when you breathe in deep, you remember that the breath of life that you have comes from the giver of life that is God. Maybe it's a time that you set aside every day with with your spouse or your kids where you simply stop, pause, and acknowledge God. Maybe, maybe it could look like something else, but I want to encourage you to, to try to find a way to create a practice that can turn your attention to God constantly and continually. Because here's the good news. God is faithfully attending to you and me, moment by moment, whether we are attending to God or not. All we do when we pray is simply returning the attention that is already being given to us by our faithful God. The one who calls us is faithful. The one who calls us is faithfully attending to each and every one of us.
GPSers, I hope you have a great week.